Are you one of those people that just hates to cook, thinks you can't cook, really just don't want to be bothered? Well, today's episode is for you because we really break it all down and not only show you that it's way easier than you ever thought, it also can actually be a whole lot of fun and really enjoyable for you and the whole family. So to find out what's cooking, join us now. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. So today I have with me Natasha Bull of Salt and Lavender. If you haven't seen her on Instagram yet, well, you're going to want to follow her after today. She actually has a huge following and she's an amazing Canadian-based recipe developer and food photographer. Natasha is passionate about creating easy-to-follow recipes that anyone can use to make a quick and delicious meal. And that's part of the reason I have her on today. I really want to take the mystery away from cooking and, you know, coming from the city to the suburbs. In the city, you're used to very quick meals, a lot of takeout probably a lot of places to eat out that are wonderful that are close by. But when you come to the suburbs, and especially during COVID, there's going to be a lot more cooking taking place. And I know a lot of people just really feel like they can't. So the premise and Natasha's philosophy really tie in well with what we want to talk about today. Natasha has also created hundreds of hassle-free recipes since Salt and Lavender's inception in late 2015. Salt and Lavender is also a recipe blog with a focus on delicious comfort food using everyday ingredients. And Natasha adds new recipes every week. You can subscribe to her blog or follow her on Instagram, Pinterest, or Facebook. So I'm so excited to welcome Natasha for the conversation today, and I hope you'll grab a cup of coffee or grab your cocktail and come join us for the conversation. So here we go. Hi, Natasha. Thank you so much for being here today with me. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I've been following you on Instagram. I'm not sure how long yet, but you have an amazing Instagram account. Every picture you post, especially lately, I'm like, oh my God, I need to make that. It looks so good. (laughs) Thank you so much. It makes me very hungry. So I will let you give just a brief introduction to yourself and then we can sort of get into it talking today about you know meal planning and other things regarding the kitchen and cooking. So I'm excited to dive into it with you. Sure. Well, thanks again for having me. My name is Natasha Bull. I live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I started Salt and Lavender back in 2015. And I guess my main focus is like quick and easy dinner recipes. I know most people don't have time to spend, you know, two hours in the kitchen every evening. So I try to keep most of my recipes nice and quick with everyday accessible ingredients. Yeah. And what's great about your recipes is that you would never know they're quick Um, by looking at your feed, like, because my point being, you know, it's such a benefit because they are quick, but they're really hearty. They're beautiful. They're tasty. It's like all the above. And, you know, that's part of the point of me doing this today, too, is that so often people say, you know, I can't cook. I don't have time. I can't be bothered. I don't want to, especially people coming from the city. So much there is convenient as far as 
taking out, going to a local place and getting food. Kitchens are smaller. You know, here in the suburbs, the homes are really state of the art and, you know, a bigger kitchen. But with family and everything and with COVID, you know, even though you don't want to cook, can't be bothered. I think that, you know, my point is that it's not really as hard as you think. And ingredients can be simple and cooking can be simple. So I think that, you know, your philosophy of making things quick and easy is really great. Thank you. And yeah, I totally agree. Like, I know we've been spending a heck of a lot more time at home with lovely COVID. And a lot of my readers have too. Like, my traffic has increased. Like, it's pretty much doubled since COVID started. And it's just been, like, such a pleasure for me to be able to help people I guess, get good at cooking. I have a lot of like new cooks, novice cooks who come to my website and Mm -hmm. they've told me like, thank you for, you know, helping me cook. I've never cooked before and it's actually easier than I thought. It is. It's easier than you think. And I think that, you know, I even have done just only because it's a hobby for me. I grew up in an Italian family. Food is really central to a whole lot of things, whether it be holidays, traditions, whatever. And I started on my Instagram just showing the things I cook. And some people were like, thank you so much for that inspiration. And they realized that a dinner that was like so yummy and tasty, A, didn't have a lot of like complicated ingredients and wasn't complicated to make. And again, I think that's the big takeaway, you know? Oh, for sure. And, you know, sometimes I'd actually say most of the time, like the simplest recipes taste the best. Like you do not need a ton of ingredients to make something taste good. Yeah. I mean, I talk about this all the time with my mom because sometimes you'll go to a restaurant or people feel like, you know, it has to be complicated or it's almost contrived. And that Mm -hmm. actually, I think, makes food taste worse. I think, you know, when you have like a bunch of fresh basil, oh my God. That alone and a fresh tomato, right? Those two ingredients, like there's nothing tastier, you know? So where do you get your inspiration from for the recipes that you make? So usually what I do, I guess now that my blog is no longer a hobby and it's a business, I actually do kind of take a business approach to most of my recipes. So I start by doing keyword research. So basically what that is, is figuring out what people search for in Google. Mm -hmm. So I start kind of with that and if I'm thinking, okay, let's make something like chicken this week. So, you know, I'll type in chicken or like chicken soup and then it'll kind of give me suggestions on what people search for. So generally I'll start with like a recipe title and then I'll develop the recipe from there. It doesn't always go like that. Like sometimes, you know, I'll be scrolling through Pinterest, for example, and something will catch my eye and, you know, maybe it'll have like bacon on it and cheese or, you know, just as an example. And then... I won't make something that's like that at all, but it'll kind of twig this light bulb in my brain and Mm -hmm. I'll be like, okay, well, I saw this picture that had, you know, the pretty like tones of bacon or whatever. And then I'll like, let's add some spinach and let's turn this into a soup. And it kind of sounds crazy, like when I'm trying to describe it, but like I can be inspired by pretty much anything or, you know, I'll go to a restaurant, not so much these days, but you know, I'd go, I used to go on vacation a lot and I'd eat something and I'd be like, oh, like this is so delicious. This is so fresh or, Mm -hmm. you know, my readers would love this. And then I kind of try and adapt and make it my own. Yeah. And no, that actually makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, even though I have a lot of family recipes I cook and whatever, I'll sometimes be inspired too. Like I'll see one recipe or something on Instagram or whatever, and it won't be the whole thing that's for me, but an ingredient might inspire me. And I also think it's important to tell people like, 
when you see a recipe that appeals to you, if you can't follow it to the T, whether it's due to like dietary restrictions or there might be one ingredient you don't like predominantly, you can sub things in to make it your own. And I've done that quite a bit of times. Oh, absolutely. And as you cook more, you'll learn kind of what works and what doesn't. And like I always tell my readers, if you mess up, like it's just food. Like none of us like to waste food. But I mean, you know, there's worse things like you go skydiving, you mess up, you know, life or death, you mess up an ingredient in dinner, and you have to throw it away, then you know, it's not the end of the world. You've learned the lesson, you can tweak it next time to make it more tasty. One other thing, I guess, along the lines of inspiration, I do a lot of just kind of copying myself, like what works, let's Mm -hmm. make something similar. Like I'll make a one pan tortellini dish and readers will love it. And I'll be like, okay, let's make it with Italian sausage this time. Or let's make Mm -hmm. it with like chicken and bacon. Seems like bacon's our theme of the day today. (laughs) So so yeah, you know, don't be afraid to repeat what works. And that goes for, you know, in your own day-to-day life as well. It's like if you find you enjoy cooking a certain type of food, like try more similar recipes, tweak it. You don't have to get complicated. I do that too. Like certain things that are either favorites in our house or that we like a lot. Same thing. We might have like the same basis and then swap out like a different ingredient. And then once in a while too, I might be inspired and try to make something up of my own. And once in a blue moon, it's kind of a fail, but like, it's fine. Like I did it even last week. It was sort of a take on like doing a white bolognese and I thought it was going to be great. And it really, it was tasty. Like we all liked it for dinner, but it wasn't one of my favorites. So I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I got to look at that a different way. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it wasn't, I mean, it was perfectly edible, but it just wasn't one of our favorites, you know? And so that's okay too, to experiment. I also think for people, you know, doing a little bit of meal planning might be helpful. Don't you think? Like if cooking seems like such an obstacle, if you can sort of do the meal planning and then the grocery shopping tying into it. Oh, I totally agree with that. Um, I think a lot of people, they hear like meal planning or meal prep, and then they suddenly get a bit overwhelmed with the thought. And I just like to keep it really, really simple. Like I'm not the world's best planner, but Mm -hmm. every week, you know, especially for the blog, I do think up like my shopping list. And then I think, okay, so what am I going to be eating in between? Like, you know, the things that I cook for the blog. And I do a lot of like kind of eating the same thing. Like it sounds boring, but like I love to make a batch of my favorite soup. I do this practically every week, like the same soup. It's like a tomato potato leek soup. It's got like just a handful of ingredients and it's like so tasty. It's pretty healthy Mm -hmm. and it lasts me like a few days. So then, you know, I can just reheat it and I've got like a quick lunch and it just makes it so much easier. So I'd say like step one for meal planning, you know, don't worry about getting, you know, those little glass meal prep containers or like coming up with some fancy shopping list and just make like a bit extra of whatever you're cooking and something like soup or stew totally lends itself to that like my mom always used to cook like you know a big meal on Sundays and that was meal prep before like meal prep became a thing you know we mm-hmm. just eat the leftovers for the week right and do that a couple right. times a week and boom there you go you've got your easy meal planning Yeah. And like so much of what I, what we cook too, same thing, like with a lot of sauces, things like that. And so my key is, I call it like my pantry staples. Like I always have canned Italian tomatoes in the house. I always have an onion. I always have, you know, like certain spices. I love oregano. So for me to have those 
pantry staples. I can almost, even if it's an off night or a week where I've been really busy and I haven't been able to do like a full, you know, grocery shop at the market, I could whip something up with my pantry staples. Do you have any suggestions for pantry staples? So canned tomatoes is actually in my notes. You know, you can do pasta sauces with that. You can make soups. I have a ton of canned tomatoes, especially since we just moved it from a condo into this new house. And Mm -hmm. we have so much storage. So we've been like going kind of crazy stocking up for winter. So yeah, the canned tomatoes are huge. I have a lot of canned beans. Like I have everything from like kidney beans to navy beans, the white kidney beans, the cannellini beans, black beans. You can do a lot of like Tex-Mex type recipes, chili. I make this, I think it's Italian inspired. My mom used to actually make it for me since I was a kid and I've just carried on the tradition, but it's just tuna, beans, and you chop up a bit of onion. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's like, and you know, you can sprinkle a little olive oil. I buy the oil packed tuna so I don't add extra, but you can if you want. And mm-hmm. like salt and pepper, it is so good. So you can eat it by itself or you can like stuff it in a pita. And that's like a super quick, easy meal that I can always whip up. Like I always have onion. I always have garlic. I always have canned tuna. I always have the beans. So it's definitely one of my go-tos. Yeah. So that's great. So uh, yeah, pantry staples I find are huge as far as the meal planning. And like you said, it doesn't have to be like this overwhelming thing where it has to be a very specific list every week, although that helps. But knowing that you have certain stuff you can sort of count on, I think is really helpful. It just makes things easy and you don't have to give it a lot of thought. You know, you have something on hand that you can whip up, which I think is nice. Yeah. And just to add to that, like herbs and spices that you can keep in your pantry. So I have a giant spice rack because I'm a food blogger and I need all of those, but most people don't need to have that many herbs and spices. So a couple of things that I always have, and I use it more than anything else, Italian seasoning. Mm -hmm. It's a mix of like oregano, basil, thyme, rosemary, and sometimes some other depending on what the brand is, but I use it in like, oh geez, a huge percentage of my recipes because it replaces the need to buy all those individual spices. And it just adds so much flavor with, you know, very little work and like every grocery store sells those. I also love smoked paprika. It just Mm -hmm. adds like a really delicious kind of rich smoky flavor to like, you know, you can make it with like tacos or chilies or stews, so many different things you can use it with. Chili powder. I keep that on hand too, chili powder, because like, well, I made chili on Sunday, but I use it also when I make fajitas. I don't know. It's just another good spice, I think, to have on hand. And also I keep garlic powder on hand. Sometimes I might be out of garlic or sometimes the garlic I've bought, you don't realize maybe it's not as fresh like once you crack it open. And I like to just have it as something to enhance or substitute if I need it in a pinch. Yes, me too. Garlic powder and onion powder are huge for me as well. And of course, fresh garlic cloves. I always keep some on hand. Mm -hmm. And like my fridge staples, like butter, lemons. I always keep cream in the fridge. You wouldn't believe how versatile it is for so many recipes. Like Parmesan cheese, I keep a wedge in all the time. Yep. That's, you know, I just, I can't live without it really. Onions, lettuce, tomatoes, and, you know, you'll eventually figure out kind of if you're not used to cooking, what sort of things you're buying all the time. And then you can just have that as kind of your base shopping list. Yeah. And I always have olive oil. That's yeah, a no brainer. <laughs> there's like, yeah. I can't, it's like water for me, you know, so there's always, always olive oil here for sure. And it's yeah. like the basis of so many recipes. 
but yeah, it just, it does. It makes life a lot easier and you can just refer to it at any time for so many different things. And the other thing that helped me during COVID was, you know, I was never a shopper where I stocked up on tons of food and froze a lot of food. But when we were in lockdown, I did because, you know, it was hard to get to the market. You didn't want to go as frequently. And so I would buy a lot of the different meats we eat and freeze them. And because of that experience, I actually realized it does help because knowing that you have the meat on hand too, you don't even have to do a huge amount of meal planning, just knowing that morning, okay, I'm going to take out this chicken breast and defrost it on the counter so we can use that for dinner tonight was really helpful. So as part of pantry staples, if there are meats you use to keep some in the freezer, sausage, I made meatballs and froze them. I made some batches of soup and froze them. And the freezer really became a good friend. Oh, totally. And like ground beef, I find Mm -hmm. myself stocking up on that, like post-COVID. As you said, the chicken breast. One little tip for uh, freezer meals. So it's good to keep like, you know, your raw meats and stuff frozen for when you need it. Mm -hmm. But I suggest having like a go-to, I don't know if it could be like a soup stew chili, but for me, it's like a spaghetti sauce, like a meat spaghetti sauce. I make a huge batch of it. And then Mm -hmm. I always, I have it individually portioned out Mm -hmm. and then I can just grab it. Like if it's my husband and I eating it, you know, I'll grab two little portions or if it's like just one of us is going to be home that day, you know, and you need a quick meal to warm up, you just take one portion and Mm -hmm. it just, you have this delicious, you know, meal straight out of the freezer. You just have to boil your water for the pasta and then you're good to go. So I suggest, you know, experimenting and doing big batches of something you'll actually eat. Cause I think we all have, you know, the experience where you throw something in the freezer, you didn't label it and you, you're right. like, hmm, what was this? And you're like, yeah, I think I'll just throw it out or you freeze it. Cause you don't really want to eat it. I think it's important to like, just freeze what you actually want to eat. And then there will be less food wastage that way as well. Yeah. And that brings me to circle back when you mentioned like certain things you cook, like soups and sauces and things. Those are batches that can extend throughout the week. So like when I make a pot of meatballs, let's say, maybe that night we're having it with pasta and a vegetable and whatever. But then over the week, that could be meatball subs for lunch or, you know, the soup can be left over for lunch or to combine with dinner. Or, I mean, you can kind of trade off and cover some other meals throughout the week when you make things like soups, sauces, and all that. Even if you're not freezing them, you can keep them in the fridge, you know, throughout the week to use for other recipes or even partial meals or whole meals, right? Yeah, that's true. And one thing that just uh, you reminded me of something really easy along those same lines, buy a rotisserie chicken. You mm-hmm. know, you can pick it up from Costco or like Safeway, any grocery store sells them. And like that can make several meals. You can use it one night, just, you know, take the meat off and then throw it in with some bagged lettuce mix and like cut up some tomatoes. You know, you can make your own dressing or, you know, even just buy a ball of dressing. You've got an easy like 10 minute salad for dinner or, you know, add it to soup. I know a lot of my recipes call for cooked chicken. Mm -hmm. So you can make like, you know, a quick soup with the rotisserie chicken or like a quick pasta. Like there are so many recipes out there. You can just Google like leftover chicken recipes or 
rotisserie chicken recipes and like that's a super easy way where you don't even have to think you just have to buy you know a few ingredients and like salad tonight soup tomorrow you know put it in a pita or you know add some mayo and make like a chicken salad sandwich like it really does not have to be complicated at all you don't even have to turn the stove on yeah a rotisserie chicken goes a long way i even have a great recipe for chicken enchiladas where you actually just shred rotisserie chicken that way you're not like cooking for a long time like a shredded chicken and it's really amazing so you're right like a rotisserie chicken goes so far and it's a great shortcut even for chicken soup and you know chicken soup's a funny thing because people think that you have to start it and cook it all day and you really don't you know it's really so much again so much easier i think than for whatever reason we think it isn't but it, it really is very simple and i think that you know when you get kids involved in cooking too it's so fun because then they really want to eat what they cook you know, so it's it's a good way to get kids to eat healthier too. You know, they like what they cook. Yeah, I think so. And you know, cooking is a valuable life skill. So I think you know, if you do have kids, or even like it's just my husband and and I, but you know, just making meals together. You know, kind of it sounds corny, but like it brings you closer together. And then you know, if you can at least sit down and eat the meals together, then I think that's a really important part of like being a human being, you know, enjoying oh, yeah. food yeah. around the table, right? We're going to get to the family table because that's a big thing. I think the meal table is a huge, huge thing. Real quick, and I hadn't asked you this before. I'm just curious. Do you use slow cooker at all? Do you do slow cooker meals or do you prefer to just use like the one pot on, on the stove? Um, I definitely do use the slow cooker and also the instant pot. Yeah, I don't have like a ton of recipes with slow cooker. Like I have a fair amount, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's super handy. Like what I, my probably my favorite thing about using the slow cooker is if you put it on before bed mm-hmm. and then you can like smell it as you come downstairs in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know. I just I love that part, right? It's just so easy. You generally like set it and forget it. And a lot of like recipes like soups or stews, that sort of thing can be adapted for the slow cooker. If like you do see a stovetop recipe, like yeah. soon, you know, you learn little tricks like six to eight hours on low or three to four hours on high. And if it's like a recipe that has something like, say, a soup with like cream or cream cheese, you would just add that in the last 30 minutes or so. So once exactly. you make a couple of crock pot meals or even instant pot is a little bit of a learning curve, but you'll find that recipes are quite similar. Yeah. And even get complicated. You know, even if you're not doing the slow cooker, there's plenty of what I call one pot or one pan dinners. Like I make a lot of them, you know, on my cooktop that there's just a lot of different things that can go in one pan. And sometimes I even serve from the pan. So, I mean, yeah, it's all good stuff. The other thing that I think can make meals easier is the use of the grill. Because, you know, I find that even though I don't do the grilling, my husband does, but you know, let's say it's a grilled meat or a kebab or something we're having, then really I only make a side dish or two. And then the main course is done without much mess in the kitchen. And I think grilling is another way to make meals easy. Don't you? I totally agree. And yeah, my husband is also the grill master in our house. Uh huh. <laughs> so it's like, we'll let him have that. So it's like my kitchen and like his barbecue. So so that's good. Yeah. yeah, and I agree. Like, and the sides, they don't even have to be fancy. Like, make a pasta salad, you know, in summer. Or yeah. just like a regular salad, you know, like Caesar salad or just like a quick green salad, cucumber salad. That's always good. One thing I like to do is either, like, my mom, she loves to bake bread. I'll have some of my mom's fresh bread. Like, mm-hmm. last night, my husband and I 
well, he grilled a bunch of Italian sausages and then I had some of my mom's fresh bread and it was such an easy dinner, but it felt like a comfort food treat. There's like yeah. nothing better in my mind than fresh bread. You can pick up a baguette from the store, you know, right. enjoy it the same day and have that as your side, right? Like, again, it doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to put too much thought into it and you're still having like a home cooked meal. Yeah, that's such a good tip. That really is. With Thanksgiving coming and other holidays coming up, do you have any tips for entertaining? Because I do think that we stress ourselves out over these holiday meals, sometimes to the point where, you know, we shouldn't be because we need to enjoy it, obviously, as well. We do want to make things that are special. We want to cook things that are maybe traditional from family or whatever. But just curious if you have any, whether it's the holidays or not, even if, and we're doing less of it, I know, because of COVID, having people over, but for entertaining or for you know, special meals, any tips you have or shortcuts? Yeah. So my first tip is just try to relax. Like first and foremost, people are coming to see you. Like Mm -hmm. they want to spend time with you. It's not about, you know, producing a fancy, amazing five course dinner. Mm -hmm. So relaxing is kind of a good first step. I personally like to keep it simple. I'm a big fan of finger foods. So this is kind of my like little entertaining hack that works on short notice. So I'll buy a bunch of dips, you know, like your hummus and like tatsiki. If I'm feeling in a fancy mood, I'll like make my roasted eggplant dip or my own tatsiki. I'll Mm -hmm. get some pita bread. I'll cut up some vegetables and get some salami or like ham and kind of make like a little charcuterie board. Mm -hmm. And everyone just loves that because, you know, it'll appeal to a variety of different tastes. Like if you have, you know, vegetarians who are coming, you know, there's Mm -hmm. not every dip's going to contain meat. And, you know, but just, pick like popular things like even spinach artichoke dip there's tons of recipes online or you know you could even take the shortcut and buy some so i'd say just like keep it really simple i've been making actually a lot of hot dip recipes lately so like your buffalo chicken dip or like i have a rotel sausage dip that's been doing pretty well on my blog and i find people just go crazy for these hot dips it feels like something special but again it's not that hard to throw together you can usually use like one pot to do it like Mm -hmm. i know a lot of my dips i make in a cast iron skillet Mm -hmm. you can basically do it from like stove to oven and then it's like who doesn't like melty bubbly cheese right so oh my god always- you're not kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's always- that's always popular. So let's see what else is anything maybe in terms of meal prep that helps i find that if i am going to be entertaining or it is a holiday meal what i try to do so that i'm not stressed and more relaxed the day my guests are coming is whatever i can do for prep ahead of time i do So even if it's just like chopping up a vegetable and putting it in, you know, a prep bowl in the fridge with saran wrap around it the day before and it's one less thing to cut up, like I just try to do as much prep ahead. And then that way that day, for me anyway, it feels a lot easier. Yeah, that's a big thing. You know, do it what you can ahead of time. Like, say you're making your own cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving, like that will last in the fridge for probably like a good week or even more. Right. Anything you can make ahead of time, you know, by all means do that. And one thing that's also can kind of save a bit of stress or effort, if you are getting together with people, like have everyone assigned to like one type of like one category of food, yes. and have them bring it, right? So maybe like your aunt Betsy makes the best like sweet potato casserole, right? So get her to bring that. And you know, maybe it's easiest if you do like some 
you know, the salad bar, for example, if you want to have some like fresh stuff for Thanksgiving and maybe your mom is like the turkey person. So yep. it's good to kind of divide and conquer. And also one other thing you can do with like COVID and like less people coming to your gathering. Yeah. Downsize like a full Thanksgiving menu is lovely, but I can guarantee that not everyone likes everything. So maybe just kind of figure out like, what are the favorites? Like maybe you can do without sweet potato casserole this year because no one in your family actually likes it, you know? Maybe yeah. they're not into it. So maybe everyone loves the green bean casserole or, you know, maybe a turkey is non-negotiable or maybe it's just the two of you and you could like roast a turkey breast or something. It's so funny you say that because I was thinking out my Thanksgiving menu and it's obviously going to be a lot smaller. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to like instead of doing like the extra like I was like because sometimes I'll do a like a mashed butternut squash or something and I'm like but we all really love the broccoli I make so I'm gonna do the broccoli and the mashed potatoes and the stuffing and that's it like I'm not gonna have the extra sweet potato and green bean casserole and you know what I mean like you said it's just not necessary to have all of it that can take a lot of stress away too for sure like you know fixate on the things that people really want and then yeah more Yeah. And it's funny because I thought just that I was like, you know what? We all really love that. So that's what I'm going to stick to. Like why make the extra? And that's such a good point. And I think that just your point about like, you know, relax and try just like we said about even for everyday cooking, try to embrace it. And, you know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but I mean, sort of, you know, people are being forced to embrace cooking because we're just home so much more and there's just only so much takeout I think you can do. I mean, I really max out on it as far as I think because I'm just so used to certain ingredients and certain dishes, but some people might have a higher threshold for it. But I mean, especially with everybody being home three meals a day, you know, like especially with schools being hybrid and maybe under lockdown again, you know, you have the whole family home for three meals a day. That's a lot different than during the regular work week when you just had to think about dinner. You know what I mean? So now that everybody's home for those three meals. So, you know, it definitely does not have to be a hard thing. So the next thing is the meal table. And I mean, there's so many articles about this too. It just, it's a huge connective factor. Food, having a meal together. It's kind of a universal language. I think it brings families together. It brings different people from different backgrounds together. There's so much to share about it, whether it's tradition, conversation. What do you think about the meal table? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, it's it's hugely important. And, you know, I was thinking about this as I was, like, preparing for this podcast. And it's kind of like the meal table, it's kind of diminished, I feel, for people. Like, it's diminished in importance. Everyone's busy with their activities. And I feel like COVID, like, if you can pick the silver lining out of it, it's almost brought us back to that in a way. Yes. We're kind of forced to spend more time together and like forced to do a bit of cooking together. And, you know, even if we're eating our takeout all together, like, I think it's so important. Like, I don't have kids, but, you know, if you have teenagers and, you know, they're on their devices most of the time and you're like, okay, kids, you know, 20 minutes, we're doing dinner and we're unplugging, then you might learn something about your kids that Mm -hmm. you didn't know before. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just like, there should be studies into this, right? It's just a time when people open up and bond and food is like a common denominator, right? 
It's huge. And there was something I saw on TV a couple of years ago where they they took people of like very different backgrounds. I think they lived in the same apartment building or something, but they were trying to point out how like we've become so connected electronically that we don't even like know who our neighbors are. And they did this thing where they set this table and again, it was people who just maybe had very different views. It was this whole thing and how the table brought them together. And it was really interesting. I think for me, you know, the meal table was very central growing up in an Italian family. It was just unspoken that on Sundays we would be having dinner together. And as a teenager, I remember certain Sundays, like I would potentially have plans or my friends would ask me to do something. And it was like, I almost felt bad asking if I could go because I knew it's just what we always did. There was always a big Sunday Italian dinner. But even throughout the week, that's really where we, you know, we sat and we had conversation. And in my house, what's funny is, and I don't really know how it happened, I never ever set a rule for my kids to not bring devices to the table, but they never did. And I don't know if it's because maybe because of their ages. So they didn't have devices as young as some of the kids do now. So Mm -hmm. when they were toddlers and young kids, we didn't have iPads. We didn't have it. They probably weren't introduced at all till middle school. So maybe that's why I don't really know. But it's funny. If we go out to dinner, we all tend to be on our devices. But when we have dinner at home, no one even brings it to the table. It's not even a thought. It's really weird. So the meal table for us is just a really natural thing in our house. And I always cooked... You know, even before COVID, I probably cooked at least three times a week, if not more. So maybe it just came naturally to me because of how I grew up. I'm not sure. But I think there's a lot to be said for the family table. Absolutely. Like, I couldn't agree more. Like, my mom, she cooked everything from scratch. And, like, we would eat together every evening. And I got to say, like, some of my fondest memories are either eating together or just, like, watching my mom in the kitchen. Yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I do this for my career now is because my mom instilled this like total love of food in me. And it's, it goes beyond the food, right? It's beyond the food. It's a way to connect. It is. And the other thing that I always say, and you might agree with it, I mean, listen, apply. And I just did an episode. It's It's airing the week before you're coming on this week. But you know, it's about appliances and kitchen design. And, you know, things are very state of the art and they're becoming, you know, more savvy with technology and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I look back, my grandmother, my great grandmother were some of the best cooks literally in the universe. And, you know, my grandmother had like a a four burner electric coil stove and some of the best food came out of that kitchen. So I also encourage people to like, if you want to start cooking, a lot of our audience has a beautiful kitchen, but you don't even need the fanciest tools or, you know, techniques. It's, it's really a very basic thing. Would you agree on that part? Absolutely. Like, it's kind of funny. So we we moved about a month to this new house. And mm-hmm. my whole life, I've dreamed of having a gas stove. The like, mm-hmm. gas stove is kind of like the thing, you know, all chefs use it. It's kind of like the pinnacle, right? So I have my mm-hmm. gas stove now. But, you know, and I think I finally learned how to use it. Like I managed to burn myself a couple of times because yeah. like, the pots, the outside of the pots get way hotter than on electric. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's like, you know, a little learning curve there. But like, honestly, the food, like it cooks a bit faster than electric, but it doesn't actually like taste better. Like on right. my, like my first apartment where it was a rental and like, I think it was built in like 1981 and the kitchen had not been updated since like, when yeah. I was there and learning how to cook like the food came out just as tasty 
So, I mean, don't be intimidated if you have a state-of-the-art kitchen and don't really use it to its full capacity. But equally, don't worry if you've got, like, you know, the coil electric stove from, like, 1994. Like, you can still cook delicious food with it, right? Just learn how to use your exact, you know, your exact tool that you have. And, like, you can make things just as tasty. Yeah, because it's my point is like the appliance isn't what makes you the good cook. You can have the beautiful appliance and still be a bad cook. You know what I mean? Yeah, but exactly. but yeah, it's not, you know, they don't correlate directly. No, this is obviously a topic that I'm super passionate about. I'm honored to have you here. I think your presence online is unbelievable. And I'll encourage anybody, you know, listening that if you want to sort of you know, get into cooking a little more and realize that it's not hard to definitely follow Salt and Lavender because her premise is all about like quick meals. And the stuff is so delicious and great and so inspiring. I'll close the show with just letting you give any, I guess, final quick tips that you want to impart and then where people could find you if it's just Instagram or on the web, whatever. So I'll let you take it away with that. Okay. So just a note on cooking, like I know, especially if you're new to it or don't do it very often, it can be intimidating, but I really encourage you just get in the kitchen, try something out. Yeah, my recipes are geared more towards quick and easy. I try to word my recipes in a way that anyone with very basic knowledge in the kitchen can follow the recipe. I pride myself on doing that and I get a lot of feedback from people who say, hey, like I'm brand new to cooking and I was actually able to follow your recipe and it's given me confidence. So I try not to throw around fancy culinary terms. If I do, then you know, I'll explain what that means. So mm-hmm. I'm all about educating people quick and easy. That's what I focus on. So, you know, I'd love if you came to my website or, you know, follow me on Instagram. I'm very receptive to questions. There's no such thing as a dumb cooking question, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Salt and Lavender. Pinterest, Facebook, saltandlavender.com. It's all just like slash salt and lavender. So I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> Great. And we always put it in the show notes too, Natasha. So it'll be there. And again, I'm just so happy you're with me today. I think it's fabulous. And people will drool just looking at your Instagram feed. (laughs) So I hope to chat with you soon. But thanks so much for today. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. As I mentioned, I've been following Salt and Lavender for a while. And as somebody who cooks... Her recipes inspire me. They always look tasty. They are really easy to replicate. And I thought she would be a great person to talk to today to really kind of break the whole cooking thing down. You guys, some of you might have seen me on my Instagram, you know, just as a hobby. Cooking is something that I really like. I enjoy cooking for my family. I actually find it a really excellent creative outlet. And so, you know, from my Instagram, even just posting stories about what I'm making for dinner tonight. I also hope that it helps you, you know, come up with ideas and show you that it really isn't that hard and that ingredients don't have to be very complicated. Typically, the best food is the simplest food that yields the best flavor. So I loved having Natasha with me. Definitely give her a follow on Salt and Lavender. And I know for sure there will be several recipes you can pick up from that and try. And you'll feel successful being able to make them because of the way she breaks it down. So I really hope you enjoyed today. 
And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. From my home to yours, I will talk to you soon. So I hope you're enjoying this show. I know for me, it's been amazing. And I love connecting with all the guests I've had on and connecting with you, the audience. So it's still a young podcast. And so in celebration of that, I want to announce a second giveaway promotion. I am going to be giving away one of my online one-to-one digital services. It is a $500 value. It is ideal to help you if you are moving and need to start getting some decorating done for your home. So all you have to do to win is subscribe, rate, and review this show, and I will pick someone at random. It will probably be selected within the next four to six weeks. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.